The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Nearly 36 years ago, during our ordination for the diaconate, Bishop Pilla gave me the Book of the Gospels. He said, receive the Book of the Gospels, whose herald you now are. Believe what you read. Teach what you believe. Practice what you teach. That's been my motto for 36 years, to try to follow that command. And there are certain things that I've learned in those intervening 36 years. Number one, there is a God. Number two, I'm not him. And number three, I need all the help I can get. And I must confess that there are times where I come into this house of worship and I'm not really prepared to worship. I find myself burdened by things that are going outside this building, things that are building up in my life that are frustrating, and I have to step back, and I have to hit the delete alt keys and bring myself back into reboot configuration so that I can focus again on that commission to proclaim that good news to be faithful to that gospel message. And what is the gospel message? The gospel message comes from a Greek word meaning the good news. And immediately the question comes up, what is the good news? Now many times during a Saturday evening football game, we see people walking around with a placard, John 316. And I'm not sure what their motive is for walking around with these signs, but if you look up what John 3.16 is, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son so that those who came to believe in him might have life everlasting. 
That's the good news. And that good news is a person. A person known as Jesus, the son of Mary. Jesus, the son of the carpenter. Jesus, the Nazarene. Or Jesus, the Christ. We have four distinct canon gospels that proclaim a distinct and unique Jesus. And we wonder, why don't we just have one narrative that tells us all about Jesus, what his message is, and what his plan is for us? Be so much simpler if it'd be that way. And yet, if we think about the four gospels, they were written for unique communities. And in the community uniqueness, the author had to recognize their difference in culture, their difference in religious background, and use these events in Jesus' life to bring them to an understanding of who Jesus is, what he is about, and what he promises. And so let's pause for a moment and let's look at these four Gospels. Let's start with the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest one, the earliest written one, and what is its message? In its prologue it says, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then it goes into describing an individual who is in a hurry, he's harried, and he never pauses to take a rest. And if he does, Mark never talks about it. And in this story, as he relates it, he talks about one who is felt confined by crowds. In fact, the word crowd or crowds is used 38 times in this gospel. And in this position, Jesus is going around healing, saying, responding, telling, directing. And it starts off with a tough-as-nails character, John the Baptist. And he's out there saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The next scene, Jesus is getting baptized by John and then sent out by the Spirit to be tempted in the desert for 40 days. He comes back from being tempted, he performs his first miracle and two others, and he heads off on his journey. That's all in chapter one. This man is constantly showing God's action on earth, God's plan for goodness to be supreme over evil. And when it comes to the crucifixion, Jesus is portrayed very simply, very straightforward, very factually, that he has been nailed to a cross, he suffers, he dies, and then there's this unique ending where the women come, they find the tomb empty, and out of fear, they go away and say nothing to anyone. How about Matthew? Matthew, he starts his gospel off with the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. 
And in that genealogy, he goes from Abraham to King David, from David to the Babylonian captivity, and from the Babylonian captivity to Jesus the Christ. And this is a Jesus who is compassionate, who is understanding, who is one who will be truly, truly a new Moses, a new teacher to the people. And he has that numerous times through there. People use the title teacher, rabbi. What is your opinion on this? What do you think about this? What should we do under these circumstances? And Jesus always has an answer. But it's an answer which sometimes he is challenged on. For instance, he has a leper come up to him and says to him, if you will it, you can make me clean. And Jesus is so moved by that, he stretches out his hand, touches the leper, and says, I do will it. Be healed. And the man is healed. And then he's confronted by the Pharisees in the synagogue who are chiding him because he is healing on the Sabbath. And he has a man in this synagogue that has a withered hand. And he calls him forward and he turns to the Pharisees and he says, Is it proper? Is it proper to heal on the Sabbath? And they give no response. And he turns to the man and he says, Stretch out your hand. And he does, and the hand is restored to its normal form. Jesus is not an individual that's afraid to challenge the authority when they are not living correctly according to the law as given to them by Moses. And what about Luke? What does Luke do? He starts off his thing by saying numerous people have written reports about Jesus, what he has done, and what he has promised. And he says, I too have researched it, and so that you, my dear Theophilus, can know that what you have been taught is correct. Here's the message. And what is the message of Luke? What is it that Luke's there? It's that compassionate, forgiving Jesus. What does he call us to do in compassion? What does he call us to do in forgiving? That's a challenge that all of us have. Because all of us run into circumstances whereby we are challenged. We are confronted. We are abused. We are told we are wrong. And what is our reaction to be? to look at the one who is accusing us and look beyond the accusation to the call that all of us have to what? Forgiveness, pardon, reaching out so that together we may all be on this journey. It's a journey that 
with his crucifixion in Luke's gospel, we have Jesus there being asked by the man next to him on the cross, Lord, when you enter your kingdom this day, remember me. And Jesus says, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And he ends this gospel passage with an understanding that God is a God who forgives. He makes that statement, it's not the death of the sinner that I want, but rather that the sinner turn back to me and live. And when we go to the Gospel of John, what do we see? We see a divine Jesus, high theology, an individual who is divine throughout the entire Gospel passage. He is unique in that he is both man and God. And in that being both man and God, he suffers as you and I suffer, yet he has a divine message to all of us. And that message is, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's very explicit with that, with Philip, who said, show us the Father, and then we'll believe. That's all we need. And he said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, for the Father and I are one. Marvelous theology, marvelous lifting up of our spirits. And in his passage, he has the arrest of Jesus, and he says, who is it you are seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. Now, everyone in that group of Jewish nature would have understood and heard that phrase, I am, and thought about what Moses was told when he was asked, God, who are you? Who should I tell the people I sent you? He said, I am who am. With that knowledge, they should have gone. And in his trial, he's constantly trolled by people. He's not the son of God. He is a blasphemer. And finally, the high priest says, are you the son of the living God? And he says, I am. The high priest rents his garb and says, we need no more testimony. He is guilty. When he is on the cross, he is the one that makes the last simple statement. It is finished. My mission here on earth has been accomplished. I turn myself over to you. And we see four unique individuals here. And we have trouble with this. And we try to grasp and put ourselves into a position where we can put our arms around it and make it ours. And we find out that that is a lifelong experience. 
because there will be times in our lives where the Gospel of Mark will be the one that appeals to us, a human one, suffering as we do, or the Gospel of Matthew, one in which we see that spiritual gift of Jesus the Teacher, and the one of Luke, the one filled with forgiveness, the one who says, I am your compassionate partner on the journey. And when we come to realize that God is truly one God in three persons, then we can say to one another, come, join me, and have our prayer. May God the Father continue to bless us. May God the Son heal us. And may God the Holy Spirit enlighten and guide us on our journey. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this evening is, who do we, who do we as individuals say that Jesus is?